My name is Mike. I uh, go to Duke. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to Keith a little bit lately, and he's been telling me some of the things that you all have been talking about, the running the race series and the human race. And that's very, I, I was very impacted by that. I think that's really uh, following the spirit, talking about the things that are, are relevant today and how God, uh, God knew, you know, a long time ago when the Bible was written, what today would look like, and I think a lot of those things are relevant for us today. In a classic guest speaker move, I'm not going to talk about anything to do with that, um, but I think uh, I want to share a little bit what I've been learning lately, and uh, recently I was in a Bible study doing a study about Jesus, and I was studying with a guy at Duke, and he asked some questions that I had never thought about before, and he helped me learn something uh, that I think has shaped the way I think about Jesus, shaped the way that I see what Jesus is passionate about. And so we're going to talk about that today. You know, uh, (coughs) have some slides. Um, But we have these people up here, right? And when you see these people, you see people that were willing to stand up for what was right. You know, (laughs) They, they were willing to be radical for what they believed in. Um, or in Rosa Parks' case, she was willing to sit down, you know, where she yeah. felt like was, was right to sit down. And I, I think uh, when we think about these people, we think about the impact that they've had on our world, you know, for, for the better in, in incredible ways. Yeah. But you know what? As Christians, we serve the original counterculture man, you know. <laughs> we serve Jesus. He was uh, the most radical dude about going against the grain He uh, stood up for what was right, no matter what the cost was. And he was more than hipster Jesus, okay? He he was more than a hippie talking about love, not living anywhere. He was more than just this cool dude who had a way of connecting with people. He was zealous (coughs) for what's right. And uh, the the scripture we're going to look into today is probably one you may be familiar with if if you've read uh, some some of the Gospels. It's in John chapter 2. And so if you'll turn over there with me, on, we're going to pick up in, in John chapter 2. I'm going to have to get there as well. And we're going to read a story, one of the first stories John records about Jesus. And I think this is going to help us see what Jesus is passionate about. And I, I hope that by the end of the day, we'll see some of what we should be passionate about. Mm-hmm what we should be willing to stand up for, because this is the man that we follow. Yeah. More than a hipster, but countercultural and zealous for what was right. So in verse 13, it says, The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables and said to those who were selling the doves, Take these things away and stop making my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? Jesus answered, Destroy this temple, 
and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews then said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it again in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. So what's going on here? There's, there's kind of two things, uh, two big, I think, concepts, maybe if you don't understand the Passover, that may, may uh, have escaped you. The first is that the Passover was this feast where the Jews celebrated what God had done in delivering them from Egypt. But at the Passover, people would travel from all over to come to the temple to worship and make sacrifices to God. So if you're traveling a long way and you have to make these sacrifices, or you, you get to make these sacrifices, however you want to see it, uh, you know, oftentimes it would be a hassle to bring an animal with you. So the Pharisees figured out, hey, why don't we just sell them here? And that way it's convenient, you know. But the other thing the Pharisees had set up was they said, you know, you can't use Roman money to buy a sacrifice for God. You've got to use our money, basically. You've got to use, you know, sanctified money. So that's why there were money changers here. Because people would come and they'd have to change their money in order to buy a, an animal to sacrifice for, for the feast of the Passover. Okay, And over time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those were kind of the two, those are almost the pastors of the day. You know, that's kind of a, a way to think about them. They were the leaders, they were the ones speaking on Sundays. You know, they were the guys that were kind of in charge. They got a little greedy. And they had turned uh, what, what may have originally started as a way to help people <coughs> into a way for them to make money. And they were actually robbing their own people, the people coming to make sacrifices for God, right? And so this had gone on for a while. This wasn't a new thing. And what do you think Jesus thought when he walks in? You know, I, I think, I, I wonder how, how this went, right? How did this scene look? I don't think it was quiet. I, I think Jesus, he probably walked in, probably just saw, he's like, man, this is wrong. You know, what, what they're doing is wrong. I mean, it's just wrong. There, there's, no, there's no justification or, or rationalization that can make this right. I picture him, you know, it takes a little time to make a whip. You know, I don't know if you've ever made a whip before, but uh, it probably takes some time. He's probably, you know, sitting in the corner making this whip. You know, I picture him, maybe he's muttering, in my, my father's house? You know, and, he, and he's just getting this whip ready. And he's a carpenter, so Jesus is probably built. You know, he's probably not a scrawny dude. Uh, and he grabs this whip, and he, and he whips and drives out the animals. You know, and he probably doesn't say, guys, can you stop making my father's right. house a place yeah. of business? Yeah. No, he's like, stop making my father's house a place of business. This is not what it was intended for. You know, why, why does Jesus get so upset about this. You know, he was zealous for what was right. It's because something that was meant for worship and reverence and, rem and remembering God had been debased. It had been turned into something less than what it was supposed to do. You know, this feast, the temple, they were supposed to be a time where the Jews could reconnect could focus on God, and could remember the incredible things God had done for them. Yeah. 
And then it turned into making some profit. Jesus just saw that this is wrong. You know, this, this is not right. And I think about, you know, Jesus is our, you know, is our Lord. He's a person we want to follow. He's a person that we are, you know, that we want to, to imitate as disciples. And I think sometimes we read this passage and we get kind of mixed up because we're not sure, you know, there's not temples today, right? You know, or uh, we, we don't like come to temple. And, and maybe sometimes it's a little hard to know what to stand up for. I think all of us, we want to stand up for something, right? We don't want our lives to feel like, nothing, you know, mattered or like, like nothing was affected by us. We want to stand up. We want to have a purpose. We want to, to do something with our life. But I think that righteousness is like a box of chocolates. And uh, I, I think like, especially on, uh, that's Forrest Gump, Nathan, yeah. Especially on college campus. If you ask someone what they live by, or, you know, what they think is the right thing to do. You'll get different answers from everyone, yeah. you know? And, and this, is, this is how the world lives, right? It's just do, do whatever you think is right. That's what righteousness means. And I think as disciples, we sometimes get mixed up about what it means to love righteousness or what righteousness actually is. Yeah. So I want to talk about a few things it's not. So righteousness is not... Mike Polk, okay, that's me, that's my sophomore year of undergrad, I was a pitcher on the baseball team, and I remember I was, that was when I was studying the Bible, for really the first time in my life, I, I, I started to see God's plan for me, and I, I grew up in church, you know, I grew up hearing about Jesus every week, uh, we actually sang, one, one of the uh, songs we sang was one I sang like growing up, I haven't heard it in a long time. But it just reminded me, like, man, you know, it was great growing up that way. But I remember, you know, studying with these guys, and I remember one time praying, God, thank you that you've kept me from being a partier guy, you know. Thanks for, thank you that I'm not like those people, that I'm not like, you know, lost in the world, and, you know, that I'm not like, uh, getting drunk on Friday nights. Thank you that I found, I found the, the, the truth. I found the right people. And I remember praying that. And the reason I remember praying it is because right after it, I read the story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee's like, thank you, God. I'm not like that guy, you know? And at that same time, I was addicted to impurity. I was so prideful and arrogant. And it's just funny, right? We set up our own standard of righteousness, right? It's like, well, I'm not like those guys. But, man, there is so much wrong in my own life, right? And we just, we turn a blind eye to our own, you know? We, we turn a blind eye to ourselves. We judge ourselves by what we meant to do, and we judge other people by what they do, you know? We're, we're such hypocrites when it comes to ourselves, and I think... This is a huge issue, an error that we can do as disciples, right? Yeah, we can think, man, I, at least I'm not like that. And we set up our own standard of what it means to be right. And as long as we're a little bit better than the other people, then we're good, right? 
as long as we're having more consistent quiet times than, you know, the other guys I'm discipling or the other guys in my D group, then we, we think that that means that we're righteous. And that's wrong. That is just so counter-biblical. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, why that is. Righteousness is also not about rights. And this is a new one. This is one that's like taken over college campus. There's so many social justice movements right now. People want, it's because people want to feel passionate about something, right? But let me ask you a question. When Jesus was getting whipped for doing nothing wrong, did he stand up for his rights? Was Jesus passionate about his right to a fair trial? In, you know, in his arrest. Chris would, Chris would know about that, right? There were so many issues and in, in, uh, injustices that Jesus suffered. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we would rather be so passionate about some of these other things, some of these social justice things. And, and certainly, let me add a caveat that we are called as Christians to be loving, right? We're called to serve the poor. We're called to be compassionate. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying... Are you more passionate about that or about Jesus? And about what Jesus stands up for, about what Jesus defines as righteousness. That's what we should be about as Christians. And sometimes we just get things mixed up. And we get more zealous about these things that ultimately are not going to bring change. Okay? Uh, Politics. Hate to break it to you. Not going to bring change. You know? God in people is what brings change. Jesus is what transforms people's hearts. That's what we need to be passionate about. Righteousness is found in Christ. Now, I think sometimes, too, you know, especially growing up in the church, you know, I can get in this place where it's like, if I'm good enough, then I'm righteous. If I've crossed off all the boxes. But, you know, the Bible does not say that, right? In Romans 3, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. You know, apart from the law, apart from following the code, righteousness has been revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for all those who believe, there is no distinction. And then it goes on, all have sinned and fall short, right? I love how Galatians 3 puts it. It says, all of you who are baptized into Christ are clothed in yes. Jesus Christ. Yep. Our righteousness, what, what, what we should be zealous about is being clothed in Christ. Yeah. Not, in, not, in these other, you know, not in these other things. And we should be passionate about helping other people be clothed in Christ. Amen. You know, I think, uh, you know, think about what are you passionate about? You know, like, what, what really gets you passionate? You know, is it just football, right? And I grew up a huge Florida State fan. I went to Florida. Uh, I heard it's okay to be a Florida State fan here. I just heard that. I don't know where I heard that from. Uh, you know, I went to uh, Florida where uh, Ian Scott played at. It was tough, you know. Kind of kept it under the radar there, but, you know, kind of stuck with it. Ian's like crossing, he's like, oh, this Mike guy, yeah, I can't believe him. Uh, but like, what are you zealous about? Is it about the things that J- Jesus is, is passionate about? Yeah. And um, 
I, I think uh, th these kind of things, I, I've, I've seen these before, right? But in this Bible study a few weeks ago, my mind was expanded. And that's what I want to get into next. You know, what happens next? So Jesus flips over some tables, you know, money's going everywhere, right? He's driven everyone out. And the Jews go, what sign do you show us, right? What? Uh, why do you have the right to do this? You know, that's kind of their response. You know, I'll just pick up and read this again. Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. And then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said, what sign do you show us? As your authority for doing these things, right? They should have realized, they knew this was wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. they knew. They're just, they just being defensive. They were caught, you know. Yeah. Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it again in three days. It took 46 years to build this temple, you know, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. I love when Jesus gives these ambiguous responses, you know. Right. He, like, doesn't answer what they're actually saying, you know. He's like, hey, you know, he says something. But you know what's funny? Is he's answering them in a way that they don't get it, but that people who want to get it will get it. That's right. Yep. And, and, and I think if you, if you come to church, hopefully you're, you're more along that, you know, you want to get it. You want to look into, you know, what Jesus is about. And I think, you know, what, what struck me was that they say, how can you do this? And his answer is the cross. Yep. The cross is what lets me do this. Yep. And I love where it says, zeal for your house will consume me. That's what John, John says, like, oh, th this is what was sparked from this experience. Zeal from your house. Because of zeal for God's house. What is God's house, though? You know, right here, and in that reference, that's from Psalm 69, David was passionate about the temple of God, right? And here, it would seem like Jesus was zealous for, you know, getting rid of the, the evil that had gone on in the temple. But you know, when Jesus died, which is what he says next, he's like, just wait till I die. We become the house of God. Amen. Because the temple... The veil in the temple is torn in two. That, symbol, that is a, a, a symbol of God's presence going from this, this finite place to us. And that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And so when, when the disciples are saying, zeal for your house will consume me, Jesus is saying, yeah, zeal for you. Amen. Zeal for you is why I'm doing this. Yeah. Zeal for you is why I'm, you're going to destroy this temple wow. and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Yeah. You know, and the very people that say, hey, what sign do you, you know, he's saying you will destroy this temple actually is what is implied there. You will destroy this temple and I will raise it again in Amen. three days. You know, he's saying, he's looking at the people, the, probably some of the same people that would yell crucify him. Yep. He's saying, you're going to destroy this temple, but I'm going to do that because of how zealous I am for you. Yeah. Because I love you so, so much. Yeah. And uh, 
We are that temple that was being defiled, that Jesus saw us and we realized, he, he said, you know what, they're not doing what I designed them to do. I meant for them so much more. And they're living less than what I've, I've built, what I want for them. And because of that, I'm going to go and die on the cross for them. For, for us, he couldn't just whip some animals out. He couldn't, he couldn't drive out our demons that way. It had to be this way. Yeah. It's the only way that we could be made righteous, that we could have a chance to be righteous in Christ. You know, uh, this is a picture of my family, and uh, this is some of my cousins and I. So this is me, stud, I know. Um, and then this is my cousin Jake. I know it's a little hard to see, but Jake's over here kind of doing his own little thing. I have three sisters, and uh, so Jake was kind of my brother growing up. We did everything together. And I loved sports. You know, I grew up playing everything, and Jake not really the sports guy, okay? So he was, he was like a, a Boy Scout, you know, that was like his thing. He eventually was an Eagle Scout. I quit in like Weeblos, you know, I like, I like to make it through like two, two uh, stages, you know. He was more into like science and, and math, and that was like, that was Jake, right? Like we would play Lincoln Logs together, like th this was, that was Jake, you know? And whenever we played sports together, you know, I was normally one of the first people picked. You know, I, I, I like sports. That's what I did with all my time. And Jake was sadly not one of the first people picked. And very often, Jake was the last guy picked on, on any team. And, and, you know, I remember one time we played Little League together, and Jake was in right field, right? Because that's, you know, that's, that's, where you, that's where you go, right? And there was a pop fly hit, and it literally, he was like off in La La Land. And it, it fell like 10 feet from him. And then, you know, my, my dad was like, I started yelling, like, Jake, Jake, you know, and then he, like, woke up and saw the ball, and, and that was kind of Jake, right? And I think sometimes we see how much Jesus did for us, and we think we kind of, it's because we're kind of awesome, or it's, it's kind of because we kind of deserve it. But the real, the real truth of it is that we're all like Jake, okay? We, we all were hopeless, you know, we all, that, now you get it, right? Poor Jake, right? He's not even here to defend himself, right? It's the best, best kind of sermon, right? Um, poor Jake. But we, we all were like that. We, Jesus picked us not because we were the best player. He picked us because nobody else would. And he, he loved us so, so much despite our weaknesses, despite our failings, you know? Um, there's a scripture that says, Rarely for a good man would anyone dare to die. But God, but Jesus, died for us while we were sinners. While we were not. Well, while we were the, the worst versions of ourselves. He didn't do it because we're awesome. He did it because we need him so, so much. And we'd still be on the bench if, uh, you know, if he didn't pick us, right? Yeah. We'd, we'd, st we'd still be lost. Mm -hmm. We'd still be stuck yeah. where we were. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, this is, a, this is from a song. Uh, who knows this song, by the way? Switchfoot. Switchfoot, yeah. <laughs> so in, uh, in high school, this song had come out. And, like, at our youth group, we played it, like, 100 times a day, right? It was, like, it was the song, you know? 
We were, le- we were meant to live for so much more, but we lost ourselves. And that lyric is probably like burned into my brain. Like, I don't think I'll ever be able to get it out of my head. I think it's just there. Um, but I love that because we were. We were meant for incredible things. Jesus died and became our righteousness so that we could live lives that are far greater than we could ever live without him. I mean, that's, that's what Jesus was so passionate about, was you and me and, and helping us be righteous. Righteousness found through him. And I, I think that sometimes we just get lost in this. You know, we, I, I think um, there are some obvious things we do. You know, I think in campus, it, there are so many pulls on our time. There are so many clubs you can give yourself to. There's, there's school also, right? There's that, that little thing. And I think sometimes we were meant for incredible things for God. And we just, we lower our sights. And we say, you know what? I'm just going to do th- these other things. I'm going to invest my time in these other places. And that's not what God made us for. That's not what Jesus sanctified us for. That's not what he made us righteous for. He didn't make us righteous so we could live how we want. You know, uh, so I've been out of undergrad for three years. I I worked as a financial advisor for a couple years, and now I'm in business school, which, in case you didn't know, is like all about making money, right? That's like what business school is about. You know, you're like there to get a job, to make tons of money, and that's that's what it's about, right? And, and I think that, you know, you graduate, you get out of campus, and in the kingdom, we wouldn't, like, uh, a lot of times we wouldn't, like, go full out towards that, but we kind of have this, like, Christian version yep. of the American dream. Yeah, and it looks like being comfortable in your life, being successful from a worldly perspective, and going to church on Sunday, and maybe family, family night on Wednesday night, and we've settled. And, and we've let the world and America, I mean, come on, realize where you live, right? You live in the most you know, ridiculous place for materialism in the world, like by far. Um, and it's like, that, that creeps in. And we stop being radical. We stop doing the things that God's called us to, and we settle for this shadow of a Christian life. Mm-hmm. And we just want to live in the church and just have great friendships, and, and that's great. And we just want to do that until we die. And I just, I wonder what God thinks about yeah. that. Come on, bro. Because I think that for a lot of us, he, he's calling us to more than that. Yeah. And he's calling that, even if that is what your life looks like, you know, you're, you're working, you're, you know, things are going well. You can still be radical for God. And I think sometimes we just settle. We get into this groove, this comfortability of life just kind of seeps in. And that's not what God called us to. You know, and then lastly, as I'm kind of wrapping it up, I think sometimes we, we also just, we don't settle for these obvious sins. We just settle for less. Less than the adventure that, that God calls us to. Yeah. Like, do you think that, like, if uh, the disciples were here in the temple, like, 
that was probably a, a tense moment, you know. They're like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen, you know? Are we going to get arrested, right? Like, the, it was an adventure to follow Jesus. Yeah. It was, like, wild, right? It was this crazy ride, you know. And, and people, uh, like, the disciples were, were totally transformed by it. And they weren't perfect, right? Thank, you know, thank God that, like, people wrote about Peter in the Bible, you know. Everyone loves racking on Peter some, you know. But uh, you know, we see the mistakes they made, but we see that they lived on the edge. That's right. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what God wants for us. Yeah, he wants that for us. He wants us to live the adventure. This is a picture from my, our wedding. This is called a wealthie, so a wedding selfie. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I, I just wanted to point out that uh, a couple things. Uh, first of all, this guy is still single, just so you know. Like, that guy's still single, so still on the market. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but uh, a, a few things. Three of those guys, three of those, I think it was eight. Uh, Chelsea wanted, like, 20, and I was like, honey, we can't have 20. I don't have 20 friends, you know. So, um, three of those guys were guys that I studied the Bible with. That, that and. Not in like a, oh, I reached out to, like, God had, like, hit me over the head with these guys, you know. Like, hey, study the Bible with this guy, you know. Like, people just walking in, into my life, being like, oh, I, I want to learn about God. I'm like, okay, you know, sure. And if I stayed where I was, I would never have had, you know, those friendships. Yeah. You know, those people wouldn't be there. Yeah. It'd be like, it'd be Cousin Jake, probably, like, no. Yeah. I, I invited Jake to be in the wedding, but uh, he's getting ragged on. Um, you know, the guy, uh, the guy right here, so uh, this guy, he actually, he is married. I know that's probably surprising, but uh, that, that was the guy who reached out to me, right? That was the guy who studied the Bible with me. That, that transformed my life. It, it changed the path of where I would go. You know, two of those other guys are guys that I met through the church, and we just became instant, deep, spiritual friends, you know, and now one of them's coming to visit for, uh, think, in a couple weeks, and, you know, we live all over, but our relationships are just deeper than they ever would have been without it. I think, what would my life have looked like if I just stayed in my comfortable way of life? Yeah. It wouldn't look like that. Yeah. I'd probably be single. I'd probably be working somewhere. I, my life would probably be, up, be about money. It'd probably be about the next title, the next job. I'd probably have an, an outward success. I remember how empty that way of life is. Jesus came because he doesn't want us to live that. He wants us to have this. You know, he wants us to have abundant, full life. And what, what are we passionate about? You know, are, we, are we taking advantage of that? Are we helping other people you know, seek that out in their life? And even beyond that, but people in the church, are we helping people stay close to Jesus? Because it's not about performance, right? He didn't make us righteous to, you know, hopefully Mike gets 100% spiritually from now on until it's not about that. Yeah. It's about us being close to God. Yes. So I think if there's anything 
Hopefully you got something out of this. But uh, if you, uh, if there's anything, I, I just want you to think about. What am I passionate about? Am, am I living the zealous, radical, passionate life that God wants me to live? That's exciting, adventurous? Or am I settling? I think... I think that's just something we have to think about our, our whole lives, you know, whether you've been a disciple a couple years, a couple months, or 20 years. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, sometimes we forget just how zealous Jesus was to clean us up, Amen. to die for us. Amen. Let's pray, and uh, to God be the glory.